0: I'm to turn to Nehemiah chapter 1 for a few minutes, and I won't be long tonight. I always say that, but I really believe I'll be able to lay it on the line and do it quick. I want to preach on, we need to build the wall. We need to build the wall. Donald Trump would love this message, but it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It has nothing to do with Mexico. All you Hispanics, stop being offended so easy. But uh, it has everything to do with God's name and His reputation. And we need to have a wall built. We need a wall of revival. We need a wall of protection. We need a wall of definition and distinguishment. We need to be distinctively Christians. Amen. And what's wrong in this day and age is I believe that the salt has lost its flavor and the light is blinking off and on. And folks, we need revival of Christians being real Christians. But one of the things that's killing our nation is a lack of young men of God. The lack of young men of God. And uh, preference to our text in Genesis, I mean, excuse me, Nehemiah chapter uh, 1, I see in Genesis, I believe it's 18 verse 16. If You'll turn there just as a, prelude to the message genesis chapter 18 verse 18 and 19 genesis 18 verse 18 and 19 let's stay in all the word of god i'll let this be our text and i'll preaching uh from nehemiah chapter 1 and 2 for just a few minutes the bible says this in genesis chapter 18 verse 18 seeing that abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Listen to this. For I know him, we need saved men of God, that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because there is sin and is very grievous. Right in the middle of a grievous sin called homosexuality, sodomy, God said, Hey, we can make a great nation if Abraham will command his children, keep the way of the Lord, do justice and judgment, and get back to the home. I'll tell you where revival is going to start. It's going to start in our hearts, it should, but it's going to start in homes. And folks, the devil is wrecking churches one home at a time. It's never been this bad, and I knew it was going to get worse. And it's going to get worse before the Lord comes back. But what we need is revival. We're having the day of prayer Thursday. And usually I just preach on uh, uh, prayer on the Sunday night before, revi- uh, before this day of prayer. And we probably have about 150 people out of 83,000 there. I made a comment on Facebook. Brother Darrell thought I was hitting at him. And uh, 150,000 people up in uh, Nashville crowding the streets and uh, looking for all these draftees coming in, multi-millionaires, some of them are spoiled brats, won't even bow before the flag, I mean, they won't won't bow before God, but they won't salute the flag, and 150,000 people stand out in the rain for about five hours. And I want to tell you something, we have a prayer meeting, and 150 people come, if it rains, it'll go down to 100. Something's wrong with that picture. That 1.2 million Avengers thing, that's what I felt Rock, Rock knew all about it. No, Rock told me about it. Uh, that 1.2 million, billion, 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 billion. Get, let's get the B right. Dollars were made in the last five days on a movie. Now, I know it probably ain't a bad movie. You know, Batman, Salt Man, Roach Man, Ant Man. I don't know what it is. You know, I, I don't know what it is. I don't go to movies. But, I, you know, uh, 1.2 billion dollars was spent on entertainment. Something's wrong with that picture, when we can't even get a uh, hundred missionaries supported. Come on now. And so we got a problem, and I all believe it starts in the home and it, be, and it starts from training young men to be men of God. And I want to preach just a few minutes on why Nehemiah built the wall. You may be seated, and you better pray. You better pray for me. Amen. Father, thank you for this opportunity. I love these folks. And when God lays a message on my heart like this, I'm not trying to hurt anybody, I'm not trying to wound anybody, but God, I believe we need to realize where we're at, where we're going, that we really desperately need you, and God, we're a prideful nation, I don't think we need prayer, we don't need God, we don't need the church, we just need need our ball team on on Sunday, we need our golf tournament, we need uh, entertainment, we need Walmart to stay open because the world would end if Walmart closed, God, we just need all kinds of things. We need idols and we need people and we need entertainment and we need pleasure. And God, I know there's nothing wrong with some of the things I've mentioned, if they don't come before God. But Lord Jesus, help us to not let anything come before you. May we consecrate ourselves to being Nehemiah's. May we, God, rebuild the wall that's fallen to the rubbish, and your name's being slaughtered in this country. But, Lord, it'll never be slaughtered because your name's above all names. And God, they're the ones that's fallen. And, Lord, truth is falling in the streets. And One out of two marriages are ending in divorce. And there's a bunch of kids being raised without a daddy. And, Lord, it breaks my heart. God, help us to come back to you and your plan for marriage, the family, and for raising children the right way. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Building the wall in the day of reproach. I want you to look at Nehemiah chapter 1. We see that the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hecili, It came to pass in the month of Cheslu, the twelfth year, twentieth year, as I was in Shushan the palace. He's in the palace. He's a cupbearer. It's a great job unless somebody wants to poison the king. Say amen right there. It's a great job. It's a cozy job. It's a comfort zone job. It's in the palace. He's in the palace now. Uh, They might be suffering, but this old boy's not suffering. He's in the palace. And after he ends his prayer, he says, I was the king's cupbearer. Look at verse 2. And Hananiah, one of the brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, one of my brethren. And here's the first thing you need to do to be a man of God. You need to care enough to ask some questions. He says, and I asked. I asked them concerning the Jews that were escaped, which were left in captivity and concerning Jerusalem. A man came up to a woman on the streets and said, lady, I'm doing a report and I want to ask you a question. I'm going to interview you. What What is wrong with America? She said, I don't know and I don't care. That's exactly what's wrong with America. We don't know and we don't care. And folks, I want to tell you something. I know you do, but I'm talking about in general. America doesn't know how much they need God. They don't know how bad it is. And folks, listen, they don't really care. Long as they can get their pocketbooks padded. That's why we had an adulterer and a wicked president because our economy was up at at the time several years ago. And he tried to redefine uh, sexual sin. But it was all right because, you know, my pocketbook's fine. Let's keep him. Amen. Folks, listen, such a, uh, a man as Nehemiah, first of all, you've got to care enough to ask. And then he, he, he's, he found out. Look at verse 3. And they said and to thee, the remnants that are left of captivity there in the providence are in great affliction. And I want you to underline this, and reproach. And reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. I want to tell you what's sad. Is Nehemiah is known as a wall builder. That was only 50-something days of his life. Folks, he's much more than a wall builder. He's a man of God. And I know the wall was important, but folks, what the wall represented was more important. And I want to, I want to talk to you just a little while that you need to be a man of God, and where are the Nehemiahs of our day? He was a king's cup He enjo- cupbearer. He enjoyed prestige. He enjoyed wealth. He enjoyed authority, enjoyed comfort, but he asked a question. How's the people? And he said, it's not good. There's a reproach. There's a reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Then it says, and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. I want to ask you a question. What's, what immobilizes you? What stops you in your tracks? What causes you to stop and pray during the week? I guarantee if your brother is dying, you stop and pray. If your wife was, had bad news on the phone that she was about to die, you'd stop and pray. Well, I want to tell you something. We need to stop and pray and realize our nation's dying. And our nation's under judgment. And I want to say this, friend. There's a lot of things that's happening today that uh, King Artaxerxes... And the king of Persia cannot, cannot uh, solve. Only God can solve. And folks, I want to tell you something. It stopped him in his tracks. What moves you, but what stops you? What stirs you, as the Sunday school lesson was so wonderfully taught this morning? What stirs you up? What moves you to ask some questions? And what moves you to stop and say, dear God, we got some problems. We're going to have some deeper problems if we don't come back to God. And then, number two, he not only cared enough to inquire, verse 3, but he cared enough to identify with the problem. Now, being a cupbearer, he could have said, those sorry Jews they ought to get right with God. I'm going to stay here and keep tasting the food of the king and pray to God nobody tries to poison him. But he said this. He said, and he, he said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, and great terrible God, that keepeth covenants and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments, let thine ear be attentive and thy eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayers of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servant, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned. We have sinned against thee. Both I and my Father's house, have sinned folks he cared enough to inquire but the second of all he cared enough to sit down and weep and he cared enough to sit down and weep and identify look at verse 7 he said I have dealt very corruptly against thee I have not kept the commandments nor the statutes, nor the judgment which thou commandest thy servant Moses folks what he's saying is it's not they their fault it's all our faults and He cared enough to identify with His answer. He says, we, not they. And folks, listen, a lot of people want to be self-righteous. A lot of people want to say, well, it's all the sinner's fault out there. But the Bible says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves. We need to accept some responsibility for the lack of godliness in America. We need to get back to God. And we need to start in our own hearts, in our own church. And folks, I want to tell you something. One of the greatest prayers ever been prayed it's found in verses 5 through 11. Then he cared enough to intercede. He cared enough to stop and listen. He cared enough to weep. But Folks, you can stop and listen and weep and be trained and do all kinds of things to get, think you can fight the battles, but I want to tell you something. The battle is not flesh and blood. The battle is spiritual. And folks, the only way we're going to win this warfare and any way we're going to take back ground that the devil's stolen is we got to care enough to pray. And I want to tell you something. Your prayerless teaching is a joke. Your prayerless musician playing is a joke. Your prayerless preaching is a joke. Your prayerless deaconing is a joke. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Anything in the flesh is just futile. Without God, we can do nothing. But with God, we can do anything. And folks, we need to get desperate for God. This cupbearer had it cozy. He was in his comfort zone. Everybody wants to stay in their comfort zone. Nobody wants to step out by faith. Nobody wants to take a chance. But folks, I want to tell you something. We've got to get out of our comfort zone. And we've got to start interceding. What a, care, what a great prayer. Let me just give it to you. I gave this to the men, then I quit here and said I'd finish the message. But I want to say this, friend. Do you care enough to identify with the, with this problem? I said three things yesterday. You can judge the Christian character of any man or woman or boy and girl by these three things. What makes you laugh? What makes you angry? And what makes you weep? What makes you laugh? what makes you angry what makes you weep you laugh at dirty jokes you ain't got much character you ain't got, you ain't got a pure heart but the only thing you get angry about is when you losing money or you losing your time or your entertainment time or your, your pleasure time and you need to check your Christian character and the only time you weep is when Lassie dies on the movies you need to check your character Amen. There was an old, old Yellow movie I used to, as a kid watching. Old Yellow got shot or bit by a snake or something. And I remember everybody in that room was crying. I was laughing about it. I thought, what, what's going on? I looked up. My mama was crying. My sister's crying. My best friend, Bubby, he's tough and rough. I don't know where he is now. He's crying. I said, man, I better cry for Old Yellow too. Praise God. So, I tried to get close to the old yellow well, in the movies, folks. What makes you cry? Have we wept over America lately? Have we wept over the families that are that uh, can't even come as a family anymore? Have we wept over the hardness of hearts and bitterness of soul and the laxadaisical, apathetic attitude of the local church today? So please, when I walk down the church and saw that packed room of people volunteering to do something for God it it, it helped me, it encouraged me as a pastor to know that we hadn't totally failed, that there's some people that still care about kids still care about the bus ministry still care about Bible school my wife was saved in Bible school last year wasn't it honey no, when she was 10 years old 10 years old I thank God for that Bible school I thank God for the preacher rearing back on a Thursday morning and preaching to those little kids. That's what they need. That's why I preach every Thursday night in vacation Bible school. But I want to say this, friend. We need to care enough to pray. What do we need to pray? Here's a great prayer now. I'm just going to give you the outline of the prayer because I don't like to outline prayers. One time I preached for the House of Representatives in Georgia and they said, give me an outline of your prayer. I said, what? He said, I want you to outline of your prayer and I want an outline of your sermon and you can get up there. I said, sir, I'm a North Georgia hillbilly. I've got the message in my heart. I have notes, but I, I, I really don't have one copy. If you'll just trust me, I'm going to preach the word of God and everything will be all right. Amen. I preached, God moved. We had a great time down there in the house of Representatives. But they wanted to have a copy so they could censor it, outline it, or stop me before I got up and said something un- uh, that wasn't politically correct. Well, a lot of things I said wasn't politically correct, but I believe it was doctrinally correct. Amen? So folks, listen. It's not the words, it's, it's the attitude of prayer that needs to be here. Number one, you need to see the character of God when you pray. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven. O Lord God of heaven. Sometimes we do not pray when we pray because we pray to impress. We pray to be heard. We pray to impress ourselves. Rehoboam, Jeroboam, all those boom boys. We 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 come into your presence. Why don't you stop trying to impress and just try to impress God and talk to God? You don't have to get all your grammar and your commas in the right place. Just just pray, but realize who you're praying for to. And dear God, He's the God of heaven. Nehemiah had something beyond himself. And he came and he said, dear God, I want to remember as I intercede that you're a great and terrible God. Folks, that means you're mighty. and You've already judged us and we're in captivity for these hundreds of years and the walls have fallen, the rubbish is piled up, and we know you're God. Folks, we need to get back to some of that old-fashioned reverence, don't we, in praying. It's not talking to the man upstairs, hallelujah. It's not just shooting up a flare prayer because a lady driver's headed to you at, at you in the middle of the intersection, and she's ran the red light and you're, and you're the perfect driver. I'm saying we need to realize who we're praying to. Number two, I want you to realize that um, he's a God that keeps his word. Look at verse 5. It says, "That keepeth covenant. Amen? And mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Folks, God's not so hard pressed to use dirty vessels. And he sure ain't going to answer your prayer if you guard iniquity in your heart, if you've got sin in your life. You got selfish in your life, and you got a selfish motive when you pray, and so we need to pray for mercy. But we need to pray that, Lord, you're a God of character, you're a God that's right. And then we need to. Third of all, we need to pray a prayer of confession. Look at it. So let their ears be attentive, and thine eyes open, that they may as hear the prayers of thy servant. Then he goes on to say. I prayed before thee now, night and day for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confessed the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. My ancestors sinned. We're here in exile. I'm the cupbearer. I'm in the palace. God's blessed me with a position. Sorry, but I, I just want to confess that we got a problem. And the problem is that our sins have brought reproach upon your name. You know, we got a problem in the United States of America in the family. And we got a problem with young men. Um, I, I'm afraid to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Most men today, the only thing they work out is their thumbs, they're going to be strong thumb men because all they do is spend time on their stinking phones and all these other things and text all day and I'm saying play games all day, and folks, we got a problem. Males account for approximately 70% of all D's and F's in public schools today. About two thirds of all students in special education are boys. The average American girl spends five hours a week playing video games. The average American boy spends 13 hours. These are 2011 stats. So I bet you it's tripled by now. Amen. The new census is coming out next year. Y'all get it? Listen, I'm telling you, this is what happened. We got a problem today in America of the next generation coming up and being men of God. Because the Bible says Abraham will rule his children. And Abraham will command his children. And I want to tell you something, friend. We need to challenge young men to grow up. I said grow up and be men of God. I mean, do good in school. And we got some good men... Graduating from college, and that's great, and thank God, we've got men that work hard, young men that work hard, but I want to tell you something, the average American boy spends 13 hours a week on a video game? What is that? That's sad. I'm going to tell you, I, I'll just be honest with you, the next generation ain't going to know how to talk, because they text all the time. That's right. They're not going to know how to look somebody in the eye and give them a hearty handshake. They're just going to say, well, wait a minute, I'll go back and text you and tell you how I really feel. Come on now. Oh, I know y'all don't like this because y'all allow it. But I want to say this, friend. The average American girl spends five hours. The average American boy spends 13. I bet it's now about 20 and 26. The average young man will spend 10,000 hours. The average Amer- young American. Boys and girls will spend 10,000 hours playing video games before they're age 21. 10,000 hours. I think it would be wrong to watch TV that many hours. Whew, I don't like this. But anyway, one study discovered that 88% of all Americans between the age of 8 and 18 play video games, that the video game addiction is approximately four times as common among boys as it is against, uh, among girls. That's the reason they'll never ask you out to the date. They don't want to miss their video game. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, one study discovered, listen to this. Uh, at some point, 15-year-olds that attend U.S. public schools do not even rank in the top half of all industrialized nations when it comes to math and science literacy. In 2011, I wish I had some more recent, the SAT scores for young men were worse than they have been in 40 years. According to a survey conducted by the National Geographic Society, only 37% of all Americans between the ages of 18 and 24 can find the nation of Iraq on the map. We got a problem. According to the New York Times, approximately 57% of all young people enroll at U.S. colleges are women. It's been projected that women will earn 60% of all bachelor's degrees from U.S. universities by the year 2016. If they do graduate from college, most of young men still can't find a decent job. Astounding 53% of all Americans with a bachelor's degree under the age of 25 were either unemployed or underemployed during 2011. And here's the one that really bugs me and concerns me. Pornography addiction is a major problem among young men. Astounding 40% of the internet traffic now goes to pornography websites. And one survey found that 25% of all employees that have internet assets, assets, access in the United States even visit sex websites while they're at work. In the United States today, 47% of all high school students have had sex. I bet it's higher than that. I guarantee it is. We got a problem. The United States has the highest teen pregnancy rate on the entire planet. And if our young men would get their minds and hearts out of the gutter, it wouldn't be so rampant. I'm talking about putting responsibility on being men being men. You States, know, one out of every four teen girls have at least one sexual transmitted disease. Right now, approximately 53% of all Americans in the 18 to 24 year old age bracket are living at home with their parents. According to one survey, 29% of all Americans in the 25 to 34 year old bracket are still living with their parents. Now, I believe if you're going to college, live with your parents, save money. But, folks, sometimes it's, it's, it's time to grow up and get a job and stop living off mom and daddy. Say amen. Matter of fact, what, what happened when the uh, young men used to take care of mama? That's right. Now it's mama taking care of the young men till they get 40 or 50 years of age. What's wrong with that picture? Stir up the eagle's nest and help them grow up. Yeah. Folks, I want to tell you something. we in a lazy generation where, the, where young people don't work. I'm not talking about working on Sunday and working on Wendy's where you can't come to Sunday school. I'm talking about rake the leaves and... Don't let mama take out the garbage and, and and have some chores. And praise God, I used to get a, a dollar a week for allowance. And if I didn't do my chores, I didn't get the dollar. Right. I should have went on strike for a dollar and a half. Amen. But, oh, my mother made me have a paper round. I hated it. But boy, she taught me to work. She taught me to work. She never kicked me out. But praise God, I was ready to get out because I knew that life would be better if I didn't have to work for mama all the time. Young men are nearly twice as likely to live with their parents as young women the same age are. Overall, approximately 25 million American adults are living with their parents in the United States in their 30s. Back in the 1950s, 78% of all households in the United States contained a married couple. Today, it's down to about 40% in the average house is a married couple. Folks, something's wrong with this picture. Young men are about four times more likely to commit suicide as young women are. You know why? They need to grow up. They need to work. But I'll tell you something what they need to do. They need to come to Sunday school whether they feel like it or not. And they need an example of parents to take them to Sunday school and not send them And they need praise God. I'm going to tell you what they need. They need a godly home. And they need mom and daddy to stay together. And folks, I want to tell you what they need. They need discipline. And they need to get off that that, uh, cell phone and get in the Word of God. I'm telling you, you ain't seen nothing yet. The next generation is going to feel entitled Folks, we're not entitled for anything except to be men of God. There's a drought today. It's called men of God. You have a man of God, the woman of God will follow. Hey, some of you young single ladies, I know it's hard to find anybody. They won't even go to church. Don't date the bum. I mean, really. All they can do is run a football. Hot, hot diggity dog. Probably watch the Mickey Mouse Club all day too, Amen. I don't know where that came from but I mean be men of God Nehemiah was a man he was a man that didn't care about weeping he was a man that inquired of God but he was a man that knew that God was in control he was awesome he called him terrible I had a hard time with that word for a long time it really means terrible (laughs) I'm going to add to the King James means you're awesome but it also means you judged your people and now we've tried before to build this wall we didn't make it Ezra chapter 4 we've been doing this 150 years we ain't done nothing it's a reproach then I want to close with this there was a prayer of consecration look at verse 6 it says be attentive and hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray now this day and night for the children of Israel and the servants which I have sinned against thee will find my father's house of sin. So he used the word servant. He says, I'm about to do something, Lord, that scares the pants off me. I'm about to give up this cupbearer thing. I'm about to go sadly to my king and that's the death sentence. I'm about to be so burdened for my people that I'm willing to die. But I want to live to build the wall. I want to rebuild the wall. He made himself, here it is, available. Folks, stop praying for everybody else to do something and make yourself available. Amen? Stop praying for everybody else's kids and get your own kids right with God. Amen? Amen? I'm saying, listen, stop praying for your, your, uh, everybody else's marriage. Get your marriage right with God. I'm saying, friend, we we've got to get we got to get determined and almost militant in our prayer life. We need to say, hey, listen, enough's enough. This world's going down the tubes. 150,000 people standing out in the rain for five hours to watch the NFL draft, and I know some of y'all are there, but you ain't going back. And I, hey, listen, I'm going to say this: M- billion dollars for movies. kids living with their grandparents when they're 40 years old and won't get a job. Something's wrong with America. Now I'll tell you what's wrong with America. We need some Nehemiahs. We need some people that'll consecrate their lives and put the blood on the thumb and the blood on the earlobe and the blood on the toe and say, I'm your priest. My thoughts are no longer my own. My actions are no longer my own. My walk's no longer my own. And get out and do something for God. I think we've coddled people too long. We've babied people too long. What we need is a revival. And we need a revival of manhood. We need a revival of men growing up and being men. We need revival of fatherhood. We need a revival of leadership. We need a revival of prayer in the man's life that drips on down to all the children and the wife. And Oh, praise God, beats the devil off the children's back. See, you're the high priest of the home man. you're the leader I didn't make you the leader God made you the leader and ladies you need a leader you say no I don't if I let him lead he'd wreck the whole place I'm leading that's what's wrong you need to submit you need to challenge your leader to be a leader and then you need to train your young men to be men of God men of responsibility hard-working men, honorable, and men that'll stand in the gap and have some convictions in their last days about marriage, family, but God. Let me close. Nehemiah cared enough to get involved. He cared enough to inquire. He cared enough to identify. He cared enough to intercede. Some men don't even care enough to pray. You know it. Your your husband never prays at home. He prays over the meal, but heathen, anybody but a heathen pray, prays for the meal. I'm talking about have prayer time. Have devotion, brother Jack. Right. You shared this morning. We need a prayer. We need care enough to intercede. We need prayer. We need we need care enough to identify. But we need prayer. We need men of God that'll get involved. Let me just say this, friend. He asked and inquired. He sat down and wept. He knelt down and prayed. But he got up and worked. Man with a broken heart, believing prayer, busy hands. That's what it's taken to rebuild the wall of reproach. And he paid a tremendous price. He gave up the luxury he gave up the security. He gave up the palace for ruins and danger of Jerusalem. He sacrificed honor and ease for ridicule and toil. And Nehemiah had integrity. This one thing I'm going to do. And he devoted himself to what God had called him to do. When ridicule came, he prayed. When threatened, He prayed. When invited to compromise, he said, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. And I believe as he said that, he prayed. He saw the greatness of God, he saw the greatness of the work, and he refused to budge. What did DMI and his prayer accomplish by the grace of God? Three things took place. I'll just mention them. My time's up. They rebuilt the wall, the wall of distinction, the wall of definition. The wall of separation. The wall of safety. Those are unknown words today. Praise God, friend. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus was a holy, undefiled man of God. And we can be too. But we still need to be friends to the sinner. Go out and soul win and reach them and have compassion. Then he restored the gates. Folks, gates is a place of authority. I'm going to tell you what breaks my heart today. God is not respected in the United States of America. Does that bother you? Does that bother you? Could you stop real quick and identify with the problem? Maybe we don't respect God enough. Folks, the gate was a place of authority, but what made it authority, there were godly men that were gatekeepers. And so it's not about building some mortar and mix and blocks. It's about rebuilding men to stand in the place of authority that love God. And then they remove the rubbish. During the project, Nehemiah and his workers had to remove the rubbish. They didn't have to lay a new foundation. They had to find the old one. So much ru- rubbish, they couldn't even find it. So when they moved all the rubbish, they found the old foundation and they built upon it. Folks, we got a great foundation. The United States has a great foundation. but Nobody cares about our foundation. If the foundation be destroyed, what can we do? We've got to build the wall Not on the foundation of foolishness and vainglory and humanism. We need to take all the rubbish aside and say, God, we can't build it without you. We've got to come back to the foundation. Organizational rubbish. Doctrinal rubbish. Humanistic philosophy rubbish. I'll tell you what we need. We need a foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. This book, built this nation this book will build any family this book will build any marriage hey this book will build any young man into a man of God we got to get back to the book we got to have a revolution back to the book if we're going to have revival let's pray father thank you for the message use it for your glory I preach with a broken heart I preach with a burden for America. I preach with a, a burden for families. I preach God with a burden for the next generation. God, it seems like there's no respect for authority anymore. It seems like there's just no enthusiasm for the things of God anymore. It seems like people are all excited about frivolous Things, things that, does, that will not change eternity one bit and maybe lead to hell for a lot of people called sin. God, forgive our nation. Forgive us. We have sinned against you. The walls are fallen of separation and godliness of homes that adore you. And keep your word and love your word. God, forgive us. and God, help us to raise up some Nehemiahs. Help us to be Nehemiahs. Help us care enough to inquire. Help us, Lord, to care enough to be still. Help us care enough to identify with the problem. God, help us. Help us, Lord, to care enough to intercede. And then, Lord, help us, Lord, to care enough to get involved. Thank you, Lord, for the host of people that came for the meeting this afternoon. Encourage this pastor's heart. But God, unless you move, all is in vain. And so may may you, God, Get all the rubbish aside. May we spend more time in prayer than we do with the decorations. May we spend more time in prayer than we do the organization. May we spend more ty- time in praying that you would move during the teaching and preaching of the Word of God than we do anything else for Vacation Bible School or anything else. And God, may we pray that through this Bible School some young men will be challenged to be Nehemiahs, men of God. It's the only hope for our nation. I don't think we've gone too far not to turn back, but Lord, it's really bad. God, it's really bad. Lord, these statistics are eight years old. I know it ain't got any better. It's got worse. And so, dear Lord, help us to turn back to you is our prayer.